Live from WNUR News, I'm Cara Totley. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HDM1. Evanston, Chicago, it's April 19th, 2023. Tonight on WNUR News, Freedom First Concert, Louisville's Folk, Jack Harlow, Norris Dining Options, and Sports. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. The Northwestern Prison Education Program co-sponsored the Freedom First Jazz Benefit Concert Series for Keith Lamar. Amelia Donhauser has the story. The Freedom First Jazz Benefit Concert was hosted at the Mary B. Galvin Recital Hall this past Saturday. Northwestern's Prison Education Program, or NPEP, and UPEP, the undergraduate branch, co-sponsored the event. Freedom First began in 2020 as a concert series in New York City to help raise awareness about Keith Lamar while also giving him a creative outlet. Lamar calls over the phone from prison to perform spoken word poetry alongside the band. Lamar has been incarcerated for 34 years and has spent over 28 of them in solitary confinement on death row at the Ohio State Penitentiary. He is scheduled to be executed on November 16, 2023. Throughout his time in solitary confinement, he has maintained his innocence. Jennifer Lackey, the founder of NPEP, who co-sponsored the event, first brought it to NU in 2020. We had a Zoom meeting um, where um, Keith told his story and answered questions, and uh, it was an incredible event. I mean, like I said, I think we had over, I think we had 350 people registered. Lackey wanted the event to be bigger than it had in years before and to share Lamar's story with a diverse audience. So we knew that this year we wanted to host it in a larger venue, especially because this is the year of Keith's scheduled execution. Lackey, who is also a professor of law by courtesy, believes in Lamar's innocence. She believes NPEP and their co-sponsors have a responsibility to share his story. Shedding a light on people like Keith, who um, is, I believe, fully in his innocence. There is no physical evidence whatsoever connecting him to the, the murders that he's con you know, convicted of. And um, I think that as you know, a community with the Northwestern Prison Education Program, we want to promote events of this sort by virtue of having those co-sponsors um, bring together a large group of sometimes diverse people who, um, who can learn more about um, you know, all of the dimensions that go into a wrongful conviction like Keith's. I mean, I think that there were a lot of difficult conversations that were had with the material tonight. Amy Gordayev, the campaign manager for Justice for Keith Lamar, hopes people who hold different beliefs about the criminal justice system left the performance having learned something. On opposite ends of the spectrums, there could be total doubters and there could be total believers, so we might be preaching to the choir. I hope those folks that already are on board with, you know, um, just prison abolition and, you know, who understand how racist and uh, oppressive the criminal justice system is. I hope that they specifically focus in their attention on learning Keith's story, because he might be a new example for them to learn. I hope the people who are skeptical and just really believe, trust with blind faith, the criminal justice system, I hope that this gave them pause maybe to reconsider that there might be situations where they get it wrong. Um, and for those who only have the mentality that criminal people with a criminal record are like animals or not human, I hope that this just totally shattered that, that false notion. 
both Gordaev and Albert Marquez, who leads the jazz musicians in the band, want the audience to see Lamar's humanity. Because there's no way you can't can listen to this and not get the idea, the clear understanding that um, he's so much a human being. He's so deep into his humanity and he's asking all of us to get deeper into ours. No matter your ideology, no matter how you feel about any of this topic, you pay attention. Because uh, even if you have been taught that prisoners are criminals or monsters or animals, you cannot come to this concert and then go home and think, oh yeah, we should kill him. Through this, he has been humanized. And we can only execute people if they're not people, if they're just criminals. Lackey believes the music makes the concert powerful and personal for the audience. says that jazz saved his life and so um, I think that bringing together a group of artists having the spoken word poetry and having the jazz musicians and having the storytellers and bringing all of these artists together to communicate um, what injustice can look like. Marquez also believes the music makes it easier for Lamar to reach his audience. To see him there on a screen talking to you and creating art, creating beauty, it becomes personal. So you don't have a choice. You have to listen to him. And I think that without the music, maybe it would be harder to reach to you. But the moment it becomes art, it becomes an art form, it's just something else. And Sophia Chang, a sophomore at NU and co-chair of the UPEP events committee, says Lamar's story is not unique. The unfortunate thing is that Keith's story isn't singular in that this is something that is emblematic of a much larger issue within this country, um, as referenced also throughout the piece, and that there are many people like Keith who deserve just as much recognition, um, who have, you know, are still on death row and have been on death row in the past and been unfairly incarcerated, um, and their lives have been unfairly taken by the state. Lackey hopes the students come away with a greater understanding of justice in the United States learn about Keith and his case. I hope that they learn about NPEP. I hope that they think about incarceration in this country. I hope they think about wrongful convictions. I hope they think about justice. I hope they think about love. I hope they think about community. Um, and I hope they think about what they can do to make the world a better place. Chang also believes the event shows the best of humanity. But I think that this is also an event that is really emblematic of hope and some of the best aspects of humanity, that people can come together and make an event like this and that music is one of those aspects where you can see the very best of humanity, the creativity, the love, as reference, like love is the thing that will set us free. Although no one knows what the next seven months entail, a new legal team has just been assembled. Above all, they say they will keep fighting for Lamar. I don't know all the, all the ins and outs of exactly what the next seven months look like, but the one thing that we're really trying to do is compel the courts to give Keith a new trial. We're working on this front on, on getting a legal team assembled to... Um, you know, we're looking for new evidence, um, and we're looking to, I mean, to save his life. That's what the next seven months is going Because all of this is to create awareness and raise money for the lawyers, but they are the ones who, I can, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, they have to do that. Through it all, Gordeyev says Lamar has never asked for anything and has never lost his humor. So generous. He's so generous. He gives in a way that makes people feel seen and, and heard and cared for. And he's a total joker. Um, and in a way that like breaks down the eye, like cause sometimes when you're visiting them, you're in a supermax prison, but the humor breaks all those walls down. For WNUR News, I'm Amelia Donhauser.
Louisville native Katie Cummins shares her take on Bendigo Fletcher and the importance of Appalachian folk appreciation. Amelia Yang has the story. When Katie Cummins recommends music, I always listen. For the record, she still thinks of Jack Harlow as a wannabe rapper on SoundCloud. So for the past few weeks, she's been speaking nonstop about Bendigo Fletcher. Katie's favorite song, Wonderful Bazaar, is playing in the background right now. As a fan of what I'd consider borderline folksy music like Noah Kahn and Camp, Bendigo Fletcher wasn't too far from my comfort zone. They reminded me of summer camp in the Pacific Northwest, counselor inevitably in Tivas with a guitar slung across their chest. They even looked the part. I've never seen so much flannel and facial hair on a single Instagram page. But for Katie, they sound like home. Yeah, uh, my name is Katie. I'm a sophomore here at Northwestern. I'm studying communication. Um, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm really big about local music, local artists. So I'm like super, I wouldn't say I'm like super entrenched in the Louisville music scene, <laughs> but like I, it's like important to me and I try to prioritize it. When I asked Katie to describe Bendigo Fletcher, the banjo inevitably came up. You might hear our friend Alex laughing in the background, but it brought up an important conversation on conceptions of class and elitism, especially in the context of folk music. They are basically like a rocky, folky music, but they take a lot of um, inspiration from like Appalachian fiddle music, oh. which is one of my favorite music genres. But I think what people don't realize is that like the Appalachian like art community is um, very strong and like very rooted in tradition, but also like extremely like leftist in the sense that you know they I mean the Appalachian like the unions the coal mines I mean they were just destroyed by like the coal factories and stuff and just been undervalued by the population for so long and it's so isolated that like a very particular culture you know has mm -hmm. has sprung up there especially you know in western North Carolina eastern Tennessee eastern Kentucky West Virginia is it cool if we take your car? I asked Katie why listeners might consider learning more about Appalachian music, which she clarified to me does not include Louisville, Kentucky. But I think that there is like a circuit of artists from, you know, Eastern Kentucky, Eastern Tennessee, Western North Carolina that make beautiful music and kind of the, the contextualization of their music being from that region just makes it like so much more like beautiful like it mm -hmm. just adds you know layers i listened to sugar in the creek right before speaking with katie and was immediately hooked by the band's more dissonant chords and of course the distinctive sound of the banjo their most popular or like most streamed song while i was walking here and what did you think I really liked it. Which one is it called? It's like a, it's like a Sugar in the Creek? Yeah, Sugar in the It was really good. And it opened with the banjo, which was kind of jarring to me because I don't yeah. think I have any songs on my playlist that have the banjo the in it. So but it was good. so good. And then, like, that's honestly, the, they love the banjo. Maybe it's time we get off the mat. 
like they're like I feel like they're Louisville's folk Jack Harlow band. <laughs> like cat like like mark my words, pretty soon they're gonna like be at the same level on like music festivals as like camp. Bendigo Fletcher is performing in Chicago this Thursday, April 20th. And for WNUR News, I'm Emily. The Norris food scene is no stranger to change. Buendia and 84-7 Burger replaced Patty Square this past year, and a new dining option will come to fill the vacancy left by Vietnam Nam. These alterations are purposeful and planned to adapt Northwestern's food to better suit the students' wants. But how effective have these changes been? Michelle Huang has the story. You know the vacant spot that Vietnam Nam left? Yeah. Okay, what would you like to see come into that? I want to see some Asian food. I feel like they do not have any Asian food. <laughs> Norris, and the only thing they had was Vietnam Nam. I wish they brought like, I don't know, Chinese food, Korean food, anything. Either like a good healthy smoothie thing, but if they're going to go unhealthy, maybe like... Honestly, maybe like another Asian spot. Chipotle would be incredible. That would make me so happy. If I could go to a Chipotle on campus, I would go five times a week. I would pay for my friend's meal swipes. I would go, I would use every dining dollar I had at Chipotle. To be honest, like, ideal boba shop. But like, if not a boba shop, I think some other- Rumors of various dining options have been floating around Northwestern's campus. These are in reaction to the space left by Vietnam Nam, and a new addition to the Norris University Center food scene seems likely. But today on WNUR News, our focus isn't what could be, it's what has been. Because before Wildcat Deli, there was Subway. Before Mod Pizza, there was a kiln. And before that, there was Sabaro. Since its groundbreaking in 1973, Northwestern Student Center has undergone numerous changes. The Norris we have now isn't version 2.0 or even 3.0. It's more like version Omega. Throughout that time, why and how have these changes occurred? Sometimes, like in the case of Vietnam Nam, economic reasons cause the restaurant to close. In those cases, the dining option leaves Norris, independent of any action from the school. However, according to Dan Foley, the assistant director of operations at Norris, more common is a general switch-up of food options in Norris based on student demand. There's about a five to seven year shelf life, sometimes shorter for retail concepts in a, in a food hall style setting that we have down there. We try to refresh those somewhat frequently. Um, not, I mean, not too frequently to, so that it's always changing, but we want both consistency and to meet students where they're at. A big player in this process is Compass Group. Compass Group is the food company Northwestern contracted in 2018. The way that works is Compass is responsible for um, providing all of that food service, right? Um, whether it's MOD or what we have, you know, um, um, Starbucks or something like that. We work in partnership with them to determine what the best options are. Um, and that is all kind of developed based off of student feedback through surveys, various other things. This whole operation of refreshing and revising is what happened with Patty Squared. After about five years, Northwestern's partnership with Patty Squared ended. And in came Buendia and Burger 847. 
If you had never heard of Buendia or 847 Burger before they came to Northwestern, that's because both are concepts developed by Compass, which Foley says has its benefits. The one thing that's great about Compass is uh, if something doesn't work at, say, um, Burger 847 or at Buendia, they can change the menu. That's completely up to them. To Weinberg Jr. Ashland too, menu flexibility isn't really worth it, especially since she no longer has meal exchanges. If it was really good, and I think students really liked the food, then that's one thing. No, I feel like right now it's not. Like, the trade-off's not worth it, because... Like, after having no meal swipes, I don't hear of students, like, going to those places. But I hear of students buying Starbucks, mod. And for Weidenberg freshman Reese Hallaby, mainstream is the way to go. Overall, I think it's fine. I wish that they would replace a lot of those places with places that I like more that serve the same style of food, you know? I wish they'd replace Mod with a better pizza place. I wish they'd replace Buendia with Chipotle or a better Mexican place. Uh, and I wish they'd replace 847 Burger with Five Guys. In addition to various local restaurants, Norris has touted national chains like Jamba Juice, Subway, and Sabaro in the past. And to Northwestern students, these mainstream brands might actually be preferable. Nevertheless, Foley wants Northwestern students to know that... More than anything, I rely on student feedback um, to determine what direction we want to nudge our partners in to, to see what we can do to better meet student needs. But despite Foley's and the university's efforts, Norris right now appears to be a distance away from what students truly want. For WNUR News, I'm Michelle Huang. Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6.18 p.m. Central Time. Northwestern sports are getting busy as they prepare for postseason play to begin this month. Special shout-outs to softball, lacrosse, and men's tennis for achieving rankings in national top 25s. Brendan Priceman has the sports report. Good evening, I'm Brendan Priceman, and it's time for your NU sports report for the week. We start on the softball diamond where the 20th-ranked Northwestern squad had an undefeated week. After beating Illinois 6-1 last Wednesday, the team swept Wisconsin on a road trip to the Badger State, winning 1-0, 6-3, and 4-3. The Illinois game saw Danielle Williams continue to stake her claim as the best pitcher on the Wildcats, as she gave up just one hit in 3.1 innings while striking out six batters. Nikki Cochran, the Wildcats' first baseman, went 3-3 for on the day and helped bring in a run in the fourth inning, a frame where Northwestern scored five runs as a team. The Wisconsin series was slightly more dramatic. The first game was a pitcher's duel, with Williams striking out seven batters in four innings, while her counterpart, Wisconsin's Maddie Schwartz, lasted the full seven innings and allowed just four hits. The difference in the game proved to be a second-inning run scored by Hannah Cady after she reached base on a hit-by-pitch. The bases were loaded on walks to Cochran and Angela Zedek, and when Grace Nieto walked, Cady came home. That would prove to be the only run of the day. Offense was easier to come by in the next games in the series. In the second inning, the bases were loaded by walks and singles once again, and this time it was Cochran who scored. In the third inning, she singled home Katie after a double, and Skylar Schellmeyer gave the Wildcats some distance with a home run in the fifth inning. Schellmeyer would bring in two more runs in the sixth inning after a single scored Nieto and Zedak. The third game was a lot more dramatic, coming down to the wire despite three Northwestern runs in the fourth inning, two coming from the bat of pinch hitter Kendall Peterson. However, Wisconsin was able to send the game to extra innings after a two-run homer from Molly Schlosser. It took two innings to break the tie, but after a Schellmeyer sacrifice brought home Mavie Nelson, Northwestern took the game 4-3 and the series 3-0. The softball team will be in action again this weekend in a road series against Michigan. 
The cross-country team had two invites last week, both of the outdoor track variety. In the Brian Clay Invitational at Azusa Pacific University, Northwestern ran seven runners. Star performers included Anna Hightower, who ran a 16.23 and finished fifth in her heat, Mia Mraz, who ran a 16.59 and was seventh in her heat, and Rachel McArdle, who ran a blistering 15.50.8 in the toughest heat and snagged 15th place. McArdle's time was also good enough to set a school record, her fourth of the season. Hightower's time is also good enough for fifth all-time in Northwestern history. In the Mount Sac relays, Ava Earl also earned a spot on the program's all-time leaderboard, with her time of 16.19.34 good enough for third on the 5K list. The only other competitor for Northwestern in the relays was Kalea Bartolotto in the 10K race. Bartolotto earned a top 15 spot with a 34.36.57, just 17 seconds off her personal best. Next up for the cross-country squad is the Gary Wynicke Memorial in Champaign, Illinois. The men's tennis team, currently ranked 23rd in the country, had another very successful week. The team went 3-0, defeating number 45 Nebraska 4-3, number 51 Wisconsin 4-1, and unranked Illinois State 4-0. Glub Blacker was the best performer for the weekend, not losing a set while winning two of his three matches in sweeps. The third was a forfeit. Trice Pickens went 2-1, earning sweeps in both his victories, while Ivan Yatsuk lost his first set against Nebraska before winning six straight sets to earn a 3-0 weekend of his own. Next up for the men is a trip to Michigan for battles against Michigan and Michigan State this weekend. The women's team had slightly less success. Despite getting a forfeit against Minnesota due to a large amount of injuries for the Golden Gophers, the Wildcats were swept by Wisconsin on Sunday. The team didn't win a single set, with only Sidney Pratt and Maria Shusharina forcing extra games in any set. On the bright side, a home stand is up next, with Northwestern welcoming Iowa and Nebraska this weekend. The women's lacrosse team continued their dominant ways, defeating Ohio State 17-11 for their 14th straight win. The Wildcats are now number two in the country and have not lost since the opening game of the season, a 15-16 loss at the hands of current number one overall team Syracuse. The Ohio State victory saw Haley Radigan score six goals and Aaron Koykendall and Izzy Skane both had four of their own, but those totals are far from important. What is important is that the team clinched at least a share of the Big Ten title for the second time in three years no matter what happens against number 12 Maryland this weekend. The Cats are hoping to parlay their winning ways into a chance to get revenge on Syracuse, which could very easily be in the national championship game this year. For WNUR News, I'm Brendan Preisman. A look at the weather for tonight. It's supposed to be a chilly night with a low of 46 degrees. However, start bringing your coats back out as the weather is on the decline. Tomorrow has a high of 74 degrees, but it is supposed to be windy and rainy that day, while the rest of the week only has a high of 61 degrees and a low of 35. Taking a look into the headlines. Preemptive trigger warning, some of today's headlines mention serious topics such as assault, gun violence, and death. Moonbin, member of K-pop group Astro, found dead in his sole apartment by his manager earlier today. The news was confirmed through Moonbin's agency in a Twitter statement that did not specify a cause. Jonathan Majors has reportedly been dropped from his management team at Entertainment 360 and his PR team at The Lead Company. This comes after Majors' arrest for alleged domestic assault on March 26, which sources tell Variety has caused multiple alleged abuse victims to come forward and work with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Tuesday, April 18th, more than 200 Northwestern students held a demonstration at The Rock to protest Northwestern's policing of black communities. The organizers of the event condemned the way the university handled the Clark Street Beach shooting, along with the school's failure to meet some of the demands from the 1968 Bursar office takedown. 
Frank Ocean has dropped out of the headlining week two of Coachella. He will not be performing due to two fractures and a sprain in his left leg. There was some discourse surrounding Ocean's set ending abruptly last weekend. His headlining spot will be replaced by Blink-182. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNUR.News. That's WNUR.News. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Jesse Chen, and our reporters are Amelia Donhauser, Emily Yang, Michelle Wong, and Brendan Priceman. From all of us here at WR News, thanks for listening. I'm Kara Totley. Catch our next newscast on Friday, April 21st at 6 p.m. Now back to scheduled programming.